Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, this hour we're going to take a look at a couple things that involve law and that involve what is written in the law and what we in uh, the Christian community can do to actually adhere to a better reading of and understanding of and practicing the law. Uh, one of these uh, sets of laws has to do with U.S. law, of course. And the second one has to do with God's law, God's perfect and righteous and holy law that is written in the hearts of everyone. And a brand new resource that is available to help people understand uh, better what the contexts were for the way the Bible was written and the way God's word is written literally into our hearts. I mean, few people would argue. It, it, it is interesting. You know, <laughs> George Barner was on with me earlier this week, and uh, um, I've used this line with George often because he, this is the way he describes himself. I asked him, you know, how do you d describe what it is you do? And he said, well, I measure things. In his case, it's attitudes, beliefs, opinions, things like that, and things that we as uh, Christians benefit from mightily when he measures the percentage of people who have a biblical worldview. You know, and people will tell you one thing. You know, uh, you, you probably know a lot of people in your world who have the opinion that they're Christians because they say so, because I went to church, because I got baptized when I was a kid, you know, whatever the, the reasoning is. But then when you begin to ask follow-up questions to that declaration, that's when you find out what's really going on. George and I likened this to the person who plays um, an instrument, and perhaps they want to be you know, a music star. And so they practice their instrument and they practice along, you know, listening to recordings and watching videos of people who can do this. And sometimes I, I catch myself doing this. I like to sing. I grew up in a musical family. I don't sing as much as I should um, and, and uh, than I used to. But I'll catch myself sometimes. A song comes on the radio or on the satellite or, or sometimes it's, uh, you know, I'm streaming YouTube videos in my car, not watching the videos, but just getting the audio. And I'll start humming along with a tune, and all of a sudden, I'll walk, wow, I'm in really good voice today. I can, I can handle this. And then, then there's the, the measure of what it means to actually be that person who can really sing. I turn the volume down. And when you turn the volume down, that's when you find out how good a singer you really are. Or aren't, as the case may be. And, you know, toward that end, uh, that's when you find out, okay, are there, is this a good day for me? Is there a not good day for me? And, uh, you know, it, 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 in all honesty, it's a good idea to turn down the volume and see what you can do on your own. Um, George and I referred to it as kind of, back in the old days when you had the 33 and a third inch or 33 and a third RPM vinyl albums, we used to call it record copying, where you would put the record on, you'd play along with the record, but you'd tune your instrument to the record, and you'd play that song along with the record. But at some point, though, you have to learn how to play the song on your own. You've got to step into the praise group, or get with the rock and roll band, or if you play a classical instrument, get in the orchestra or whatever, and see what it actually sounds like there. And we have become a nation of people who would rather pose would rather, you know, kind of sort of play along, but there's a recording behind you. And I, 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 honestly, I mean, we uh, marked a couple of birthdays in our family uh, recently. Last weekend, granddaughter Sephora uh, celebrated her second birthday, actually last Wednesday. And uh, I think about the opportunity she's going to have when she gets in preschool. Isaac uh, has had that too. Now he's heading toward kindergarten. And Nazareth will get there as well. Uh, oldest granddaughter, Riley, is in sixth grade. She's way too cool for all that stuff. But She's part of a group that she takes dance lessons and likes to sing in choirs as well. But I've noticed this growing trend of youth choirs, little kid choirs, where the director, maybe it's the children's minister or the music director at the school, will play an accompaniment tape so the kids get to hear all the instruments. You know, okay, I get it, the backing track that doesn't have vocal on it. Okay, that, that's kind of fun. Though I still kind of miss hearing the little kids play with uh, somebody's mom banging away on the piano, and it, it sounds pretty cool. But there's something sweet and innocent about those four- and five-year-old kids singing horribly out of tune in some cases that makes me realize, okay, not all of them have a career in music, but some of them, eventually might be able to carry a tune, sing in a choir, do a solo at church, you know, whatever it is. But you have to start out by figuring out what you can and can't do. 
And more and more what we're hearing, what I see anyway, is the parents and grandparents all come and they pull out the cameras and start videoing the kids and they play a backing track with vocals on it and the kids just kind of rock back and forth and look cute. And it does make for a cute, quote-unquote, performance. But after a while, you begin to realize, wait, the kids aren't really singing, so what are we clapping for? Now, I don't want to be too harsh. I mean, they're clapping because the kids are cute and you want to encourage them and, and whatever. But uh, seriously, when I think about this, they either have musical ability, ability or they don't. And we're robbing them the opportunity to kind of learn how much they have in that area and whether or not they can develop it or whether or not it becomes kind of a liability. And you realize, hey, when it comes to being in the choir, I think I'll be on the stage crew. You know, I'll, I'll help get the risers set up. You know, I'll, I'll find another way to participate and contribute. And something tells me, Wallace uh, Henley wrote a piece in Christian Post about the lack of discernment in the culture and how people have uh, so much education and very, so much, he calls it the information glut and the poverty of wisdom. And it's so, it's so key. I think it's so telling because we don't want to acknowledge in this country something that America was really the first country that I'm aware of that actually really put this into practice. Now I realize there's some nations that have very heavy Roman Catholic influence, but a lot of that was more political than anything else. When the United States was founded in North America, on July 4th, 1776, with the Declaration of Independence, and then in 1787 with the Constitution. Uh, it was not, it, it was designed in order to form a more perfect union, but it wasn't a perfect union. But it's one of the first places where you saw, you know, certain phrases like certain inalienable rights endowed by their creator, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, the, the acknowledgement that we, the people, have rights that come from God and we are acknowledging them rather than saying the rights come from the crown, they come from the throne, they come from the monarchy, um, they come from the dictatorship or whatever it is, and people only get rights if the government says they do. That was a huge paradigm shift because now what we're acknowledging in this country is that we have freedom of speech because God says so, not because man says so. We have freedom of religion because God says so, not because man says so. All of a sudden, you know, this life, liberty, pursuit of happiness thing. Well, you can see where many Americans have taken life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, but we should legalize abortion, right? Those people don't get life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Or life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, but 20% of the population was in slavery, right? Well, those people don't get... You see, you get the idea. Now, it doesn't mean we run around passing out checks or you know, throwing people in jail or whatever, but rather saying, no, wait, 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 wait. If we're doing this properly here in the United States, then we, the people, should have the ability to either worship or not worship the way we choose to worship. And people who do choose to worship should have their freedom of worship and the ability to worship actually... Uh, it means something and count for something. And I don't think people realize. I mean, a lot of times you'll see secular atheist, humanist or whatever saying, we have to ban all religion from the public square. Well, that's not what freedom of religion allows for. Freedom of religion says, if I, as a Christian, as a pastor, am practicing my Christian faith at home, practicing at work, practicing you know, on the job or in the pulpit or whatever, I have the right to do that. But you, as a humanist or an atheist or whatever ist you are, have the right to say, okay, that works for you, but it doesn't work for me. You don't have the right to say, I don't like your Christianity, therefore you can't be a Christian. You can't practice your faith. I mean, obviously, our, our faith in God happens in the waters of baptism and the Holy Communion, and it, it's between you and God first and foremost, and then the like-minded spirit that draws brothers and sisters in Christ together. It's not a brotherhood of man, everybody loves everybody, kumbaya, I'd like to buy the world a Coke and perfect harmony. You know, remember the new Christy minstrels back in the 60s and 70s. It really isn't that. It can't be that. Apart from understanding salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and forgiveness that God gives us for our sin, there's no way somebody who has not been forgiven of their sin can say, well, I'm a loving person and I'm going to love you. You can't love the way God, Christ loved us if you don't receive that love from him first. We love because he first loved us. So there are a lot of people in the church right now who are saying, oh yeah, you know, this is brotherhood of love and the, it's not there at all. But what is there 
is God's natural law written on the hearts of every human being that he created, and he, in fact, created them. And I know there are people who say, what about test tube and uh, in vitro and uh, frozen embryos and stuff like that? Well, did God not create the basic tenets and principles to make those things happen? I am firmly convinced that Psalm 139, everyone is knit together in our mother's wombs. The combination of mom and dad coming together in a conjugal relationship to bring forth human life is very sacred. So starting there and moving on, everybody has God's natural law written in their their hearts. The question is, are you living by it? Are you abiding by it? And there are a lot of people who are confused. They don't recognize the fact that one of the great things about America is the fact that religious liberty is what sets us apart from other societies. The fact that we can say, if you're a Christian and you live by biblical values, good for you, but you also understand that God doesn't force his way into anyone's heart, and in the same way, we don't force anybody to become a Christian. That's why we are not a Christian theocracy here in the United States. That's why there is no national religion here in the United States. So it's interesting when you see one regime in power after another that will, I mean, say what you will about the previous administration, but the Trump administration, you know, people will say, well, this is one of the most pro-life administrations we've ever seen. But quite frankly, the four years when President 45 was in office were actually the greater hallmark wasn't so much the sanctity of human life, but was the commitment to defend religious liberty, not only here, but in every nation in the world. Haven't seen a president who made as many political decisions with regard to international relations, governmental dealings, et cetera, et cetera, that did the Trump administration, I think, leads the league in saying, hey, we're going to make our decisions first and foremost based on what's best for the religious liberty of everybody we're dealing with. So if this is a Muslim theocracy, we're not going to tell them they have to be Christian. But if there are Christians being persecuted, we're going to tell them, hey, by golly, we're taking up for these people. Well, now we have a regime in the White House, President 46, that seems to be focused on denying Christians the right to be Christians. And we're starting to see more of it. Now, this is certainly not persecution, but it it definitely is an inconvenience and an oppression. And there is a case before the Supreme Court right now that involves a member of the United States Postal Service, a man called Gerald Groff, who started working for the Postal Service about 10 years ago. And basically, he has been really just taking it in the shorts, I mean, the short hairs, whatever you want to call it, with regard to the United States Postal Service, his now former employer, for what he says is their refusal to provide reasonable accommodations for his religious practices. He says he was forced to resign from his job in 2019 because they would not honor his religious beliefs. In other words, they were forcing him to work on Sundays. His employer also required him to find people to cover his shifts if he did not want to work on Sundays. And basically, after facing multiple disciplinary actions for not working on Sundays, he eventually resigned. Now, I'm not sure why the USPS works on Sundays myself. There are zillions of dollars in debt every year, and that seems like a horribly inefficient way to run your business. But that's the way they are choosing to do it. Did he know that going in? Apparently he did, but he thought, well, there's other people who can cover the Sunday stuff. I'm available Monday through Saturday. So now he has taken his case to the Supreme Court because the U.S. Third Circuit Court of Appeals ruled against him last year. So he got on appeal. It's going to the Supreme Court. Groff versus DeJoy will be heard by the U.S. Supreme Court next month. So... Why do I bring this case up? Another Christian, it's Jack Phillips all over again, religious discrimination. But the reason why is because an amicus brief was filed last Tuesday by two different organizations and a couple of religious scholars that you wouldn't think would be defending a Christian's biblical worldview. But they did, and this case is important. We're going to talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years? 
After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and that plays perfectly into this story that we're talking about. Gerald Groff, a former worker for the United States Postal Service, started working for USPS in 2012. By 2019, he had received multiple disciplinary actions because he was, basically they said they keep scheduling me to work on Sunday. I told them I'm available Monday through Saturday. There are other people who can work. Even though it's an overtime shift, they still keep scheduling me. And they, they're saying now if you're basically in, in uh, a breach of your religious, or of your uh, work relationship with us, if you don't find people to cover your shifts. So he's basically asking the U.S. Supreme Court to reconsider a ruling in a 1977 case. It's Trans World Airlines, member TWA versus Hardison, which sets limits for accommodations employers are required to make for religious employees on the Sabbath. Now, 50 years ago, that type of case was pretty much a slam dunk. If you're Jewish, your Sabbath is Saturday. If you're Christian, your Sabbath is Sunday. If you have special holidays for being a Muslim or Sikh or Buddhist or whatever, that is what it is. But basically it was understood that uh, you, would not you would not schedule these people to work on those days. But also in 1977, how often was the U.S. Postal Service open on Sundays? Now they're open seven days a week, 24 hours a day, and they still hemorrhage cash. So Gerald Groff will get his day in court coming up on April the 18th. He will be basically... Uh, you know, asking the court to reconsider that case, the TWA versus Hardison case from 1977, that puts some pretty strict limits on the accommodations employers have to make for religious employees on the Sabbath. And uh, basically he says, hey, look, it's a different day, it's a different world, and Sunday is my Sabbath, and you guys are killing me with this. But what's interesting about this, I mean, obviously this is a guy who has, uh, he's got uh, you know, some pretty good uh, legal uh, defense working with him. Um, it's interesting that uh, he has uh, uh, the Anti-Defamation League, I believe, is a, it's a Jewish civil rights group that is uh, kind of filing an amicus brief on his behalf. That was kind of interesting. But the other part of the equation, too, is the American Jewish Committee has filed an amicus brief in support of uh, Mr. Groff. Add to that religious scholars Osama Udin and Stephen Collis. They've all asked the U.S. Supreme Court to rule in favor of Jared Groff to honor his personal and religious beliefs. The brief argues that the interpretation of undue hardship in Hardison permits employers to escape liability and avoid any need to accommodate even the, quote, most modest needs of their religious employees under Title VII. As the brief noted, that act was amended in 1972 to protect employees that practice the Sabbath on Saturdays and other religious minorities. The brief also states that religious discrimination still exists within the American workplace by allowing the employer to claim undue hardship under the Hardison standard. Uh, Muslims, Jews, Sikhs, I mentioned the Seventh-day Adventists as well. Now, it's interesting because all of those groups combined add up to about five to six percent of the u.s population and yet can you imagine that nearly 65 percent of religious discrimination cases come from that group here's the reason why the post office is getting into trouble in this area the quarryville postmaster in pennsylvania that's the post office where groff worked was facing competition from FedEx and UPS and this, that, and the other thing because Amazon was becoming a huge ordeal for them. And so what Amazon will often do is they will contact the U.S. Postal Office in the same way that Amazon has a deal, I think, with, uh, what's it, Kohl's, the uh, department store. 
And uh, if you have a return, you could either do it through your own label and have an Amazon driver can pick it up, or you could stop at a Kohl's department store and they've got a processing center. Well, a lot of post offices that you see postal workers out delivering on Saturdays and Sundays, they're actually fulfilling Amazon orders. And in 2013, remember Jared Groff started working for the Quarryville Postmaster in Pennsylvania in 2012. In 2013, they entered a contract to deliver packages. Um, Gross was initially exempt from the fact that they, you know, Amazon works seven days a week, so the USPS had to work this deal out where their drivers would work on Sundays as well. In 2016, though, the USPS and the National Rural Letter Carriers Association, which is the union, entered into an agreement that changed that. That new agreement said during peak season, everybody's got to be available on Sundays. So he transferred to a smaller office. Fair enough. But then they started doing deliveries through Amazon. And then the union turned their back on him. They said, here's the deal. You're going to get you're going to get disciplined for not working Sundays. You have to find some, we're going to schedule you on Sundays and you have to find somebody else who will do it. So here's the amicus briefs that are being filed. A Zionist organization of America made arguments about the Supreme Court ruling. I mean, this is really wild. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops has filed an amicus brief in support. National Association of Evangelicals. The ERLC, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. The Baptist Joint Committee. Even the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has gotten involved in this case, supporting Gerald Groff. Keep Gerald Groff in your prayers. His case goes before the Supreme Court on April the 18th, and we're praying for a good result for him. Some final thoughts on this case in just a moment as the bottom line continues. Life insurance will never replace the person you love, but that money can help you get through life when it feels impossible. When your life insurance claim is denied while you're already dealing with so much, you need someone on your side. Stephanie Cover of Coverlaw used to work for the insurance companies. She challenges and understands the way insurance companies think. Hire Stephanie to file a life insurance appeal while everything is still fresh in your mind. Don't let the insurance company get away with greedy behavior while you're in mourning. Stephanie Cover will do everything in her power to get you the financial protection which was promised to you as a beneficiary of the policy. The money from the life insurance proceeds can supplement your income so you can support yourself throughout the process of bereavement. Save Stephanie's number or call her now at 877-214-4935. That's 877-214-4935. Or you can fill out a contact form at kbrightradio.com slash Coverlaw. Stephanie Cover, she knows the other side. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh and encouraged to see what's happening in terms of the outswelling of support for Gerald Groff, a, an American who's a Christian who used to work for the U.S. Postal Service. He started working there in 2012. Um, by 2016, there was a rule in place uh, that said that he had to work Sundays because they were open on Sundays. And he used to try to get an exemption to you know get the shift covered or whatever. And then by the time 2019 rolled around, they wound up firing him because he couldn't find enough people to cover his job. And you know there should be a religious exemption for people with holidays like this. The American Jewish Committee is now supporting Mr. Groff in his case. Uh, friend of the Brief uh, Standards have also been filed uh, by groups that are Muslim, that are Sikh, that are Jews, that are Seventh-day Adventists. They're all rallying in support of Gerald Groff. So I encourage you to keep him in your prayers as well, and we'll keep you updated as far as what happens in his world. Um, I want to congratulate some people. Yesterday was Everyone Wednesday, and you know usually we have a few folks who call in, and, and we've got multiple copies. Yesterday, Dr. James Spencer gave us uh, 12 copies of his book, Christian Resistance, and we were flooded. People just wanted that book so badly. So I want to share this with you. Uh, congratulations to Jeffrey Lee of Marietta, uh, Tracy Brooks, dear friend, longtime friend from Laguna Beach, but also a member of Lutheran Church of the Cross. We've worked together for many years there. Uh, Juan Alfaro from Los Angeles, uh, also Gatano Spinoza of San Diego, uh, Rebecca Stiff of Ukaipa. I uh, want to say congratulations to B.J. Martin of San Diego, also Rosalind Lewis of Long Beach, uh, Sherry Dunnick, also of Long Beach, um, Gloria Gonzalez of Tustin, uh, I think Gloria and I used to be neighbors. Um, also, Beverly Turnquist 
of uh, Lakeside and also to Florence Berg of Stockton and uh, uh, Mar- Mary Montgomery of Stockton as well. So congratulations to everyone who won a copy of James Spencer's outstanding book called Christian Resistance. And again, the name of the game is not to grab a flag and put the, you know, paint your face red, white, and blue and go storm the Capitol, but rather to say, look, as Christians, we are called to be in the world, but not of the world. We are called to be people of faith who, like Gerald Groff, say, hey, look, I'm a Christian, so I will work for the U.S. Postal Service. But if there are laws, and religious liberty is the foundation of American freedom for all Americans, I don't know how difficult this has been to get through to people on the left who are just so one, you know, they're 10 miles wide and a half an inch deep when it comes to their knowledge of things. If we have religious liberty, which means if you and I have the freedom to continue to practice our faith, to live our faith, to worship as we choose, to just identify with our Christian faith, everybody has that for their own religion. And the idea is everyone has this establishment that you can uh, live out your own faith. But we also have the ability to not be forced into something like that. And that's what we see in the Middle East, especially in these Muslim theocracies, where the assumption is, if you are born in Iran, for example, you're born Muslim. And if you convert to Christianity, you're not going to jail because you're apostate. That does not happen in the United States. So I encourage you to pray for Gerald Groff and and be encouraged as Christians, more and more Christians, are taking a stand. This kind of uh, resistance, if you will, is just us living out our faith. It's not having to go militant. It's living out our faith. It's standing up for the preborn among us. And on the other side of this break, we're actually going to get into another uh, topic of conversation, and that is what happens when a pastor starts speaking out against drag queen high school uh, assemblies that are mandatory, and also uh, the governor's mandate that everybody has to sell the abortion pill. Uh, Pastor and author Dr. Jeremy McGarrity from Skyline Church is going to join me on the other side of this break to talk about that. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, special guest joining me today here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Barsh. If you're listening on KBright Radio, uh, AM 740 or AM 1240 in San Diego, and of course, watching on MyHopeNow.com, Dr. Jeremy McGarrity is with me today here on the program. And Skyline Radio has a, become a feature here on the KBright Network here in the morning and afternoon releases as well. And uh, Pastor Jeremy is the lead pastor at Skyline Church, and we have a link for SkylineChurch.org up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Uh, pastor Jeremy McGarrity, welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Thanks, Roger. Good to be with you. I want to get right into something right off the bat, because, I mean, this is it's a topic of conversation that's become more present, uh, more prevalent, I think, in the culture. And yet there's always that issue of how does the church deal with controversy? You know, I mean, there have been a lot of pastors who when Proposition 1 was on the ballot, for example. It's, you know, there was a call, let's get pastors in the pulpit preaching against abortion and that type of stuff. And some pastors embrace it, other pastors back away from it. You recently gave a sermon on a very hot button topic issue of the whole uh, drag queen indoctrinization that's happening in public schools, it's happening uh, in the world, and in some cases, even in, I'll use air quotes, in the church. Um, What led you, what motivated you, what what spurred you on to say, we got to bring this up, you know, and have a conversation in, in the church family? You know, it really, part of it was based on the fact that in California, especially, and we know that's spreading to other places, but because it usually starts in, the craziness usually starts in California. And so, you know, you look at what's happening in our public schools and, you know, they're having these mandatory assemblies uh, where drag queens are, you know, presenting their education, if you will. And you Mm. look at that and you, the most recent one that happened It may have been Elk Grove, California. I'm trying to remember the exact spot, but there was a dozen drag queens that came to a mandatory middle school assembly. It was mandatory for the kids to be there, but the parents hadn't even been notified. And so you had these this really cabaret show, um, scantily clad, um, you know, transgender and everything else. And they were exposed to that without parent, without parental notification. And that's happening in San Diego. That's happening all over the place without any, for a while, there wasn't any pushback. Thankfully, I'm starting to hear, especially at that school, the parents have called a, a meeting to talk, talk about it and to really push back against that. And now legislation is introduced that this would be a mandatory thing to have a mandatory day where drag queens get to flaunt their 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 thing you know do their thing and so you know i'm hearing about all this and of course we know how far away the culture is getting from the word of god but the thing that bothered me the most and why i spoke on it on sunday 
And we're going to speak on it again this coming Sunday is because the the people in the church, there's a lot of people in churches, a lot of Christians. You know, the Bible is very clear. Paul told the Corinthian church, we don't judge people outside the church, right? We know that stuff's going to happen. We get it. They have a a freedom in California and in the United States to live however they want, right? They get to do that. But it was the acceptance within the church and just different stuff that I've seen and read. And and I thought, you know what? I for the most part, I bet Christians just aren't educated on this. Like this is just something that they think it's love, right? Oh, we love everybody, right? We're just gonna right. we just no, no, that's not the way it is. You got to understand that we are to judge those inside the church. And then what that means is if they're off. Let's get them back on track. At least we have to tell them the truth. Amen. So Amen. that's what we've been doing in this series. We're just telling them the truth. And here's what the Bible says about that. Here's how you approach that with a member of your family that may be part of the LGBTQ group. Um, and this is how you go about that because we believe in truth so much. And we're going to present that truth with grace, but very clearly on who we are and what we believe. Dr. Jeremy McGarity is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, he's the lead pastor at Skyline Church, skylinechurch.org, and Skyline Radio, of course, is a feature here on our Bottom Line affiliates here in California. Uh, Jeremy, I appreciate you uh, sharing that, because, and I mean this sincerely because what we do see, oftentimes this becomes politicized. You know, it, it becomes one of those, you know, and if you're a voting Republican and you're a Christian, then you have to attach to this type of stuff. But the fact that you said, hey, look, this is a message for the church about people inside the church who are embracing something that's outside the church and trying to bring it into the church. Right. You know, I mean, that that doing that with grace and love, because we know, I mean, God forbid that anyone would perish. And I know that scripture tells us that that it's God's desire that everybody would not. However, we know that some are. I mean, that's just, those are just realities. But the fact that you're bringing biblical truth into the church, into the pulpit, and saying, this is what God's word says about this, I can't stress enough how important this is. And, and I think you get this sense too, with a background in Christian school where you were raised and everything, but knowing you know how how you can walk in both worlds as we're called to do. How important it is for us in the body of Christ to identify sin without running around beating people over the head with scripture and chasing them away, but rather saying, look, this is how we get, it's like Tony Evans says, God will get the church house right before he gets the White House right. You know, yeah. I mean, that's that's in essence where we're coming from. Uh, t- how many pastors are you hearing from that are saying, man, I'm glad you did that. I want to do that too. You know, I've definitely gotten a lot of encouragement. I wouldn't say that necessarily I've heard from a lot of pastors yet, but uh, there's been a lot of encouragement from uh, people in the church, people outside the church. Like I said, I did some news uh, interviews on it once once that word got out that we're talking about this. And the feedback has been super positive because I think all I'm saying is what people in churches are feeling and, and they're, no one's saying it. No one's coming out and saying, this is actually wrong. You know, this is not okay. This this harms our kids, um, all of that. And, and for us, we've said, you know, it all comes down to a matter of authority. Mm-hmm. What's your authority? And if you're a Christian, your authority is the word of God. Amen. Whether you like some of the things it says or not, you don't get to take parts of it out. Just because right. our culture passes laws that say it's okay now, the Bible's very clear about um, those practices. And so we talked about all of those practices. We talked about the homosexual agenda, and we talk about it very clearly in order to equip our people to at least have a frame of reference to understand what God's word says, because as Christians, you're supposed to get your authority from the word of God. You either get it from the word or you're going to get it from the world. And Mm. so we make it very clear to our people. Here's how you go about that. Even if you have someone in your family, because what I've noticed with a lot of pastors, you know, you look at some of these national large church pastors that are turning, they're deciding, I think the homosexual agenda, it's okay now. I'm on this journey. You hear that language a lot. I'm on this journey. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, hold on a second. Well, what you find out is that they had a kid a son or a daughter yes, that yes. came out as gay. And so now they're, they're starting to retranslate the Bible in order to fit what their family member, close friend, or whatever is now experiencing. Well, the Bible doesn't give us that option. We can still love that person, but you want them to come over to you. And the illustration we used is an umbrella. That's the authority of the word of God. Come under my umbrella. I, they're telling you, come over here if you love me. Come over here. Mm. No, no, no. No, I want I want God's blessing. I want God's wisdom. 
My authority is the word of God. You come over here. I love you. I want you to come over here. And yeah. so it's that wrestling match. And so many, so often too many Christians are going over in that way instead of saying, I love you, but this is my authority. And I put Christ actually before you, son. I actually do. Mm -hmm. Jesus said that, right? He said, yes. you don't love your, your me more than your son or daughter, more than your father or mother. You're not worthy of me. And again, we don't do it in a harsh way. We just really clear love with grace and truth. I appreciate that so much from Dr. Jeremy McGarity today here on The Bottom Line, uh, whose program, uh, Skyline Church, is heard on not only Bottom Line affiliates here in Southern California, but also Northern California as well. Uh, we've got a link for skylinechurch.org up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we're talking about the controversy uh, that could be potentially brewing uh, from a message that Jeremy gave last weekend and is going to be giving a follow-up this coming weekend on the issue of transgenderism and the, uh, the drag queen agenda. And it's very interesting, isn't it, Jeremy, how they'll say we're not trying to groom we're not trying to recruit we're not you know we're not trying to proselytize if you will but at the same time we will have a mandatory um assembly at the public school the parents will not be notified and these parental notification bills are homophobic and anti-gay like the uh, what they called the don't say gay bill in florida that was passed last year um positive steps now i mean we're moving forward and i, I appreciate i hear the gentleness and respect in your voice which is classic first peter 3 15 with regard to saying we're going to call sin what it is we're going to lovingly confront our brothers and sisters in the church with this sin but then say okay there's a solution are there next steps i mean obviously we're not just going to click our heels three times and pretend this thing's just going to go away but yeah. i mean what are some next steps for christians who are saying yeah you know what pastor jeremy that is my story there may be a listener right now who says i have a son who just came out and i don't know what to do i'm thinking of a couple in my church actually who are living that story right now what what are some next steps that you're recommending from the pulpit? And so one of the things that we made abundantly clear is there are Christians who struggle with same-sex attraction. There are. Um, what what we we also talked about the other sexual sins, right? We talked about uh, having premarital sex. We talked about adultery. We talked about other sins uh, sexually because it's biblical sexuality that we were talking right. about. But what right. we said was there are no gay Christians. You can't you can't put your sin in front of your Christianity, just like there are no fornicating Christians. There are Christians mm -hmm. who struggle with premarital sex. There are Christians who struggle that want to have sex outside of their marriage. But we don't say you're an adulterating Christian, you know, and celebrate. <laughs> right. Right. That's what happens today. We people sell. Oh, I came out as they're gay Christian. No, no. You, you, you may be a Christian and you're struggling with same sex attraction. That's different. So what we said is we're here to help. We're not just going to tell you. Uh, something about the Bible and not give you some practical resource. So we have counseling for that. We we have a lot of people that have come out of the LGBTQ movement and are part of our church family now and have been released from that. And they their testimonies are so powerful. Um, and so, but we've given practical help. First, you got to give them the truth. They have right. to understand what God's word says, and then they have a decision to make. Do I want to do that or not? And that's everyone's choice, right? God says, hey, you can, it's up to you. You you want to choose this or you want to choose to live for me or you can be your own God. He makes that abundantly clear. And so we just help them with steps to making God who he is, the king of the universe, accepting Christ as their savior. And then how practically with our counseling services, we can help them step by step. And we told them, you know, in the secular world, uh, I think there's a law right now. One of the counselors told me they can't even if a if a LGBTQ person comes and a secular psychologist says, I actually want to move away from that and get out of that. They can't counsel them out of it. Right. They cannot right. counsel them out of it. Mm -hmm. So we said, we will. We'll help you because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we believe in the word of God uh, over the world. And so that's that's what we're going to do. So we give them practical help. And we're here. We told them we're not here to condemn you. We're here to help you. That mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. Amen. It certainly is. Can't think of a better way to end this segment. Dr. Jeremy McGarity with me today here on The Bottom Line, uh, the lead pastor at Skyline Church, talking about this powerful new series uh, that they are preaching at right now, preaching through here during the Lenten season last weekend, and of course, coming up this weekend, um, information on that uh, message series is at skylinechurch.org, and that's where you'll also find information about Skyline Radio. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, let's talk about what's happening as far as Holy Week, what's happening as far as Easter, and the number of people People who are saying, hey, you know what, time to shake off the cobwebs. We've been in this kind of nether world for the past couple of years. Uh, Skyline's open and available for Easter. We'll talk about what kind of offerings they have coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
Dr. Jeremy McGarity is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. I love catching up with Jeremy because, and you know, it's amazing. We're 15 minutes into our conversation. We haven't talked about the World Baseball Classic yet. Is that because it doesn't really matter and we want opening day? To happen That's right. Day. We're ready for opening day. Absolutely. Let's go Padres. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you, if, if any lineup looks stacked for this year, for the 2023 season, uh, it'd be hard to bet against the Padres. I mean, if we well, were pressure's betting, on now, they've never yeah. been such a favorite, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's it's the really real pressure. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see what happens. We'll see how Machado's, you know, reworked contract and everybody else that has to get signed. And I'm just hoping the Angels break 500. So yeah, you know, I, if, know. I think we, we both have a good chance of having our, our, our prayers answered in that regard. Yes. Uh, Dr. McGarity, the lead pastor of Skyline Church, you hear him on Skyline Radio every weekday here on KCBC, KBRT, uh, KNSN. Um, you were talking, we were talking in, before the break about uh, the sermon that you gave just this past Sunday with regard to the LGBT drag shows that are showing up as mandatory in some public schools, for whether it be in Elk Grove or in San Diego, and how more parents are pushing back. Um, there are other cultural topics that are, are happening right now. And it is, it's kind of a surreal time to be a Californian, isn't it, Jeremy? I mean, when you see what leadership is saying and doing and how anybody with a conscience and a pulse should be able to look and say, that's kind of the opposite of what truth really is in reality. Uh, you had another example that's come up in the pulpit recently. Talk about that, if you will. Yeah, so on Sunday, we also talked about just in Isaiah 5, when it says they're going to call good evil and evil good. And you look at what uh, Newsom, Governor Newsom came out with here this last week on the abortion pill and Walgreens, that he's not going to do business. We're no longer going to do business with Walgreens in California because they are refusing in other states to provide the abortion pill. You know, since they're not going to abate in the killing of babies, we are not going to do business with them anymore. And you just look how egregiously evil that is. Mm. And in our culture, for so many people, that's just normal. Oh, good. Way to go, Newsom. You know, and you look at that. And I call him Nebuchadnezzar because when you think about, oh, good. When you think good. about right, Nebuchadnezzar, and you look uh -huh. at the story in Daniel, very similar. I mean, right. don't be surprised yeah. if really soon we have a 90-foot statue of, of Newsom mm. that people must bow down to because wow. it's so much about him. It, mm -hmm. It's not about why did he make that news conference? That's not the law in California. So mm -hmm. the law is you can provide that pill. And Walgreens has said we're still going to provide it in California because that's a law. Well, he did that because he wanted news coverage. He hadn't been in the news enough lately. Right, and so right. he's out front. He wants to put his face out there. Look at me. Don't forget about me. And he makes this big to do about really it's nothing because he's not going to change. Walgreens isn't changing in California. Mm -hmm. They're changing in other states where it's illegal. Right. Right. And so it's like it was all a, a, a PR move. Look, look how, you know, look how I am. And again, his. His governmental policies are completely liberal and far left. He's not afraid of that. He's not trying to be a governor for all of California. Correct. He is a governor for the radical left, and that's it, period. Mm -hmm. Incredible. It's incredible to think about how he does that. And yet, pastors, parishioners, please make note of the fact that what Dr. Jeremy McGarity is talking about today and how easily that wove into the, uh, the the fabric of his sermon this past weekend and will again this coming weekend is the fact that you can be cultural and biblical all at the same time when you're preaching God's word. I mean, it's Nebuchadnezzar. Oh man, that is brilliant. That's, that's, I, I thought Nussolini was good, but for Christians, I think Nebuchadnezzar is even better. Uh, Dr. Jeremy McGarity, my guest today here on The Bottom Line, lead pastor of Skyline Church. Of course, yeah, all of this, I not not that you're trying to poke the bear and invoke controversy. You're just responding to what's happening as signs of the times. We do know culturally, obviously, that the Easter celebration is coming up and Resurrection Day on Sunday, April 9th, a whole host of opportunities for people to worship at Skyline Church. Uh, for those who are maybe looking for a church home, maybe they haven't been to Easter service in the past couple of years because of either the pandemic or they're just changing churches or whatever, uh, you've got a full slate of activities uh, starting with Palm Sunday. Kind of walk us through that, if you would. All weekend long. Yeah, definitely starting Palm Sunday leading up to, you know, through Holy Week, we have uh, Good Friday services. Uh, at our Rancho campus, we have two of them, um, 5 and 7 p.m. At our Lakeside campus, we have a 7 p.m. one. Uh, we have campuses all over the place. If you go to skylinechurch.org, you can see our different campuses and the different service times there, but all weekend long. So the Good Friday service is different than the Sunday celebration, but 
We also have a Saturday night uh, to provide more space. We have a Saturday night Easter service, and then we have three Sunday uh, Sunday morning Easter services at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11.15 at all campuses. So I think we have 12 to 15 services uh, going. Excellent. So there's plenty of choices for people, and it's a great opportunity. Obviously, we're going to really focus in on communion and, and uh, Christ's death on Friday and his sacrifice for us and just take mm -hmm. time in reflection on Friday. And then we're going to turn that around, of course, for the celebration. And we're going to have a bunch of baptism. Last last year, we baptized 158 people. Wow. Just at this campus on Sunday during the service, uh, we had big pools set up and people came forward and uh, we're expecting a couple hundred baptisms at least. This uh, we added pools. <laughs> yeah, we're nice, expecting, nice. Uh, we're expecting more baptisms. So we'd love to baptize you too, man. You get near that tank, I'm going to dunk you one way. Or another. <laughs> that's that way, that's so. for sure. Well, I I love it. I mean, the, the the whole Jesus revolution that we're seeing, not just the movie, but what's going on right now with the Asbury and and some of the other Cedarville, it, it's real. I know you know it, which is why I'm glad to see the skyline setting up more pools and saying, hey, you know what? This is we're we're going to have lots of Phillips showing up to looking at the eunuch and saying, hey, there's water, baptize me. I mean, let's do this. And so it's very, very exciting. Uh, Jeremy, what is your hope and prayer during this season right now? I mean, there's so many things that are happening in your life. How are things with the family? What is your hope and prayer for the next uh, few weeks in particular? Yeah, part of what we're doing, you know, we started an academy here at the uh, at Skyline Church. And so now we've already had a preschool. We have preschool all the way up now through college. We're partnered with San Diego Christian College. Excellent. Phenomenal Christian College here in San Diego. And um, you know, if you're looking for a, a, a college, a Christian college that doesn't compromise, mm -hmm. uh, because we know there's plenty of Christian, you know, in name Christian, but they've slid far left. Unfortunately, yeah. Slid woke. Yeah. Um, uh, we will not do that. And um, so we're we're partnered there and we make sure that uh, we stay unabashedly very clear Christ first and we hold to biblical inerrancy. And so the college. So literally from birth all the way up to college, we're going to train people up so that uh, we can impact this culture it is so needed right now. And then as we look at Easter, we're really praying for those open hearts uh, to receive the Lord. We certainly have seen exactly what you're saying. People are hungry. We are seeing people at, at John 6, God is drawing people. A lot of times yes. churches, pastors, they get in the way of that, whether it's the way they talk or the things they do at the church. It's like, just do what Jesus said. <laughs> just listen to <laughs> right, what Jesus right, said right. Mm -hmm. and how to do ministry. And these people will come in droves. And we're seeing that. I mean, we just baptized 52 people a couple of weeks ago. Love and it. So as we come to Easter, we know there's going to be uh, even more. And so we're thrilled with that. And we just, we, we appreciate everybody's prayers and making sure we don't get in the way of what Christ is trying to do. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, Dr. Jeremy McGarity, lead pastor at Skyline Church and the host of Skyline Radio. We appreciate the work that you're doing. Thrilled to see the fruit that's being born at your church and through your radio ministry. And always love the time with you, Jeremy. Thank you so much for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Always good to be with you, Roger. Thank you so much. God bless you. Wow, that is a powerful demonstration of the love of Christ meeting up with the uh, uh, the sins of the world, basically, and what's happening here. There's evil all around us, but as Christians, uh, Pastor Jeremy McGarity is uh, challenging us, and especially in the pulpit, to speak truth to power, to speak truth in love, and to step up. Uh, by the way, uh, you can hear Skyline Radio every weekday morning at 6 a.m. and weeknights at 6.30 p.m. here in Southern California on K-Bright, uh, KBRT, AM 740 and AM 1240. And of course, if you're listening on KCBC, uh, Dr. McGarity's program, Skyline Radio, comes your way every weekday afternoon at 12.30 right here on a AM 770 KCBC. By the way, Jeremy has written a great book called Shark Week that was part of a sermon series that he preached at Skyline not too long ago. We have 10 copies of this book to give away. We'd love to place one in your hands right now. Give Crystal a call. She got a workout yesterday with all those calls for James Spencer's book. Not quite as many to give away today, but a good chance for you to win. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, I'll never forget the moment I met my grandson, Isaac. It actually wasn't in the delivery room. That was the first time I held him. But 
The first time I actually met Isaac was when I went with his mother to her ultrasound appointment, and the ultrasound technician showed us a picture of that eight-week-old baby in the womb. Uh, you know, I encourage you to contact Preborn right now and make a donation to provide that same experience for another family. Maybe there's someone in your family who's expecting a child right now. They've had the ultrasound. You've seen the picture. You've heard the heartbeat, and you think, wow, how can I bless someone else? Studies show that 83% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and see that ultrasound either choose to become mothers and raise the children on their own or release the child for adoption. It cuts the risk of it cuts the rate of abortion dramatically. But your donations are necessary right now to get more ultrasound machines into preborn health clinics. Give a gift online when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the banner that says preborn. Cute little baby there wrapped up in a blanket. Or give a gift over the phone. 833-850-BABY, 833-850-BABY, that's 833-850-2229. Call Preborn, make a donation. Every ultrasound machine can do 250 ultrasounds per year, so give a gift right now. My thanks again to Dr. Jeremy McGarity. Dr. McGarity is the lead pastor at Skyline Church here in San Diego. He's the Bible teacher on Skyline Radio's broadcast. Um, SkylineChurch.org is skylinechurch.org is where you find them online. But uh, when you want to find them on the radio, of course, you turn to Kbright, AM 740 and AM 1240, and you find them at 6 a.m. Uh, every weekday morning and 6.30 p.m. And then on KCBC to cover the northern part of the state, he's on every weekday afternoon at 12.30 uh, right here on KCBC. Dr. McGarity, uh, author of a book called Shark Week, which I, you could learn more about when you go to thebottomlineshow.com. We've got 10 copies of it that we're giving away right now. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, it was interesting what Jeremy was talking about, how his sermon this past Sunday, and if you're in the San Diego area, I highly recommend you visit Skyline this weekend to hear part two of this conversation. But he said, look, you know, we, we, we as Christians have an obligation to speak the truth in love to those who are making these horrible and horrendous decisions like our governor is uh, with regard to Walgreens and the fact that he wants to cancel the Walgreens contract because they won't sell the abortion pill, uh, Mifepristone, in every state in the union. And Walgreens counter is, well, we'll sell it in California because it's legal to do so. We won't sell it in other states where it's illegal to do so. We don't want to break the law. So the governor is asking them to break the law, basically, which is silly. Now, I don't support Walgreens' decision to sell this pill, but I certainly, uh, uh, you, can't, uh, you can't find any fault in the fact that they're saying, look, we're a business, this is what we do, and we don't want to do anything that's illegal. Now, Ultimately, our friends at Alliance Defending Freedom will hopefully prove that Mifepristone was released in the market 20 years ago illegally. But that and the whole drag queen uh, lunch hour, story hour, uh, mandatory assemblies in high school, we as Christians can lovingly confront that issue and say, look, God created male and female. What you're doing here is indoctrinating young children and getting them at a very vulnerable state in their thinking and confusing them. And that's not helpful to children. I mean, we could, we could say it that way without having to chain ourselves to doors and things of that nature. So I commend Pastor McGarity for taking up these issues. Again, Skyline Church at link is up at thebottomlineshow.com and check out Skyline Radio uh, here on Kbright and on KCBC. Speaking of KCBC, if you're a Bottom Line listener on KCBC, uh, this concludes your broadcast day with us. Bottom Line Show Extra comes your way at 7 o'clock tonight. And uh, Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus is coming up next. For those who remain on the network, well, it's this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. We will boil down everything that happened in the banking industry and find out why it happened in the first place. That's coming up next as the Bottom Line continues.